welcome to Hack Your Brain Through Meditation. My name is Josh Bashinsky. I've been meditating for over 20 years. I have a PhD, ABD, in neuroscience, psychology, and a lot of philosophy. I have three black belts. I've been doing internal martial arts for 30 years, including meditative techniques from the East. I have a TEDx talk called The Future of Google, Search, and Ethics. And I'd like to show you the secrets I know of how to hack your brain through meditation and make your life better to improve everything from your physical capabilities to your cognition to your emotions. Today I have an announcement. Uh, app.meditationassistant.com is up. You can go there and freely meditate. It is a powerful meditation system that I've created from using both the East and the West systems. I took the East systems and the West systems and I put them together for a very powerful meditative system that you should check out and use at app.meditationassistant.com. And uh, all the tricks I talk about on the show are built into the app, and so I think you'll find it quite useful and uh, quite powerful. And it is currently free to use, so please go ahead and do so. And today's meditative lesson, it comes from the West. Well, further east than where I am, ancient Greece, mostly, uh, and ancient uh, China. Uh, but it is a more Western meditation, and it I could not stress how important it is. I could not stress how fundamental this is going to be to changing your life. And it is about our valuation concept. Uh, that is the meditation for today. It's about our valuation concept uh, and or what Plato called the good. And through uh, throughout antiquity and history, the last 2,500 years has been called the good, capital T, capital G. But really, it's our valuation concept. Uh, and it's what we value, why we value it, and how we value it. So uh, this is a very important Western meditation, uh, and so I hope you'll find this. This will be enlightening. This is going to blow your mind, uh, and I'm going to tie it into the Eastern meditation uh, at the end of the meditation lesson. So let's do our Western meditation for today, which is, you'll notice, closer to philosophy or contemplation, but that's how the West did their meditation. And it's very interesting how the West did their meditation and how the East did their meditation and how those two come together for the, for the perfect philosophical system, for the perfect human, quite frankly, for the perfect life. Uh, and I'm so excited to show this to you today. It's so important. So let's get to it. So by contemplating this valuation concept, by contemplating the good, i.e. what's good, whatever that is, in its purest, abstractest form, so goodness or positivity or likability, in its purest, most abstract form, by studying this, we can come to a more comprehensive and deep understanding and this will enhance uh, everything in our lives. I cannot stress how important this concept is. I cannot stress how the world has gone awry and missed this. I cannot stress how this is going to change your life. And so please pay very close attention, especially if you're serious about reaching enlightenment and meditation and or hacking your brain. Virtually all life error lies in not valuing correctly. By not valuing correctly, we go for the wrong goals in the wrong way. Think about that. By not valuing correctly, by not valuing accurately, we go, we value the wrong things and we try to get it in the wrong way. Everything in life is out of whack. Everything in our lives is off kilter if you do not know, quote unquote, what's good or the good, the goodest in its purest, most abstractest form. And then so you can apply that to the real world, to the physical reality. 
So we need to understand the good. The good or what's good is our valuation concept. It is the concept that represents the maximal value, maximal positivity, maximal optimality. Consider that for a second. Feel that in your heart for a second. Maximal value, maximal positivity, maximal likability, maximal optimality. It is the practical concept and the moral concept all in one. They are combined. The practical concept and the moral concept has no separation when you properly understand it. The good, or what's good, is necessarily the key concept in both those disciplines, in the practical discipline and in the moral discipline. In fact, the good is the key concept in any discipline that relates to action. In any discipline in which you can ask the question, why are we doing this? If you can ask the question, why are we doing this? then the answer is of the valuation concept, whether you have it wrong or hopefully whether you have it right. You want to have the valuation concept right because you want to be valuing the valuable things. You want the true valuation and not false valuation because false valuation is bad over here and true valuation is good over here. You want to value the true and correct things and you will value the true and correct things, once you learn how to recognize them. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to let you figure it out for yourself. I'm just going to walk you on the path and show you the flowers. You could smell them for yourself. Many people think there is a difference, quite a striking difference, a drastic difference, between what might be prudent to do in any given situation and what might be moral to do in all situations, quite frankly. For example, in some cases, it can be considered prudent to lie. It could be considered prudent to cheat. It could be considered prudent to steal. Mostly in emergency situations, uh, when some direct consequence will happen if you don't lie or cheat or steal, like you need to feed your family as an emergency, but also, some people would think it's easier just to occasionally lie, cheat, and steal as they need to because it's simpler, and that would be more prudent to do. In fact, in ancient Greece, this was the prevailing wisdom, or so Plato tells us, and the character Cephalus in the Plato's book, The Republic, was the character, the old statesman, who uh, was guilty from his past uh, dirty business dealings of lying, cheating, and stealing uh, when he could get away with it, but appearing to be uh, good uh, and virtuous in public life, but then lie, cheat, and steal in private, that was supposedly, according to Cephalus, uh, uh, the modus operandi of the day of ancient Greece. And you might think it's the modus operandi of business today. Through propaganda and public relations, you make yourself appear to be a great company, but in truth, in secret, all you're trying to do is make money. The almighty dollar is your moral de facto standard. That's their valuation concept. Whether it's right or wrong, uh, we'll decide over the course of a couple courses. But hint, it's wrong. <laughs> Money has no value if, when the society collapses. 
That's how you know it's not the valuation concept. Something else is valuable. You just get money to get it. Money is an instrument for intrinsic value. It is not the end value. It's not the terminal value, to use the social psychological terms. Money is nothing but an instrument for something else. What is the question and what I'm going to explain to you today? But anyway, so Cephalus's modus operandi was to appear congenial and good and virtuous in public, but then to lie, cheat, and steal in private. And so that some would claim this is immoral, and some would claim that it doesn't seem to appear very moral. It's not very nice to lie, cheat, and steal, to backstab people, to cheat them out of stuff, to be mean and nasty. So how could, that, how could this be, Josh? How could it be that if you understand, truly understand the good, if you truly understand what's good, if you truly have the accurate valuation concept in its maximal optimality, its maximal positivity, its maximal likableness for everyone and all things, then how could it be that it's both prudent and moral at the same time? When we say stuff like lying, cheating, and stealing can be sometimes prudent, but not moral. How can this be? And it's because of this. It's because what's good, whatever that is, the good, the maximal positivity, the maximal likability, the maximal value, the valuation concept in abstract is what links, and but in, in reality as well, is what links all action concepts, quite frankly. But in this case, is what links what is prudent to do and is what links what's good to do. Think about it. It cannot be prudent to do something if it's not also advantageous for you or valuable or good, else then it wouldn't be prudent to do it. If prudence dictated you did stuff that was dumb, stupid, and not valuable for you, then it wouldn't be very prudent to be prudent, would it? So prudence requires value as the outcome, or it's not prudent to get. Same thing with morality. If morality dictates you do bad, harmful things, then it's not more very moral to be moral, is it? Morality can only seek what's good, what's positive, what's likable, what's overall good for everybody involved, else it admits of some harm or some hurt or some lack or some immoral actions, some bad consequences. And therefore, in those cases, it wouldn't be very moral to do what they say is moral. So consider, being moral, being prudent is also supposed to be overall positive, good, useful and valuable. All of those things, I repeat, being moral and being prudent is also, and I'm not saying this, the, the world says this, being moral and being prudent is also supposed to be a good thing to do, overall positive to do, useful to do, valuable to do. If it is not useful and valuable to be moral, then no one should be. There's no reason, right? Uh, or there's something wrong with our moral system. If it keeps dictating, we do useless things, stupid things, hurtful things, crazy things. That's a problem. We clearly have it wrong. Any moral system which dictates we do useless or hurtful things should be ignored. It's not worth having in the first place. And if you pan out and think about it, 
being prudent and being moral as a practice are activities that we participate in. They're a practice. It's a certain, you practice being moral, you practice being prudent. It's a practice like an activity that you would do. And all activities, all practices, they all participate, as in they seek or necessarily relate to what's ultimately good or the good. This is not me saying this. This is one of our ancient Western meditators, Aristotle. Aristotle says that these practices are all what he called teleological in nature. What does teleological mean? Teleological is a, is a, compo- a composed a Greek word of two Greek words, telos and logos. Telos means the ends, the goals, the purpose. Logos means the logical study of. So teleology is the logical study of ends or goals or purposes, which are all aligned to the good, which Aristotle's teacher, Plato, taught him. And and Plato's teacher, Socrates, taught him, right? So you had Socrates, then you had Plato, then you had Aristotle, in direct line in Athens, uh, in, uh, in in their teaching. So all these practices and all these all these practices, all these activities, they are action-packed by nature. They are teleological by nature. Being prudent involves action. Being moral involves action. Being a practice requires practice in a verb sense, right? You have to practice it. So any verb sense, any verb really, any practice, you can ask, They are all teleological in nature necessarily. Because you can ask, why are you doing this? Why are you running? Why are you jumping? Why are you being trying to be prudent right now? Why are you trying to be moral right now? Why are you practicing these things right now? And the answer is your valuation concept. Your valuation concept controls everything in life. It tailors all of your decisions, either for good or for ill. Towards, it aims you towards what you think the good is at that moment. Whether you think it's chocolate cake or sex or drink or filling this habit or looking at your phone again and again and again and again and again. As opposed to maybe meditating, becoming better, understanding the good gooder, being nice, being in a nice place with nice people in a nice society where everything is good and nice and comfortable and even more positive, making things better. Different ways of understanding the valuation concept. Different attenuations of seeing the trees or panning out and maybe seeing the forest. And it's important to have both looks, if I can use the metaphor. Sometimes you need to look very close at the trees. Because really the forest is nothing but a bunch of trees. But sometimes you need to look out at the whole composite of the trees at all. And understand from a top level, understand from a panned out level how things are going on. I'm using a lot of metaphors, but I warned you in previous lessons I would. Poking your head up and looking at the whole and seeing how it's all working and going, hmm, this is not working right. We need to change this. The forest is unhealthy. Why? Because some trees are unhealthy, right? So the answer to all all of your practices, everything you do in life, every verb you verb, asks, what is the good? What good do you have it oriented towards? And if you do not have it oriented towards the goodest good, then that's suboptimal. That's a lack. 
That's a mistake to assume it's the best when it's not. You are wrong to assume you're doing the best you can at the best thing you should do when that's not the case. You've, you've made, sadly, a mistake. Or your teachers have to teach you wrong goods. Goods that are not really that good. Goods that have gooder goods that should supplant the worst goods. Why? Because it's gooder. I don't need to explain to you why you should be doing what's gooder. What's gooder is gooder. And if it's not gooder because it's too hard or you don't like it or whatever, then that's not the good I'm talking about. So don't worry. Dovetailing out of this conversation is not going to be making you do anything that you don't like or will ultimately like in duration. Because that wouldn't be the good. Ah, now you start to notice the, the brilliance in what Plato and Aristotle and Socrates actually discovered and how everyone has perverted it and ruined it since then. If you have to sit and pray for too long that so your bones hurt, that's not the good. That's too long. Right? If you have to remove yourself from uh, all, all things... Well, that's not the good. You have to remove yourself from your family and your loves and food, which you need, and air and water. and That is a perverted understanding of the good. They went too far on that side, right? They didn't understand the good. They just saw what their parents were doing. They saw what their teachers were doing, and they thought, oh, I better do that to the max. That is how the gold digresses to the silver, digresses to the bronze. That's how that... For all you ancient alien uh, th theorists out there and for all of you uh, ancient uh, human society theorists out there who believe that Egypt was way older and there's been ancient great civilizations that over the 300,000 years of Homo sapiens sapien we have lost, which is entirely possible, by the way. Entirely possible. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying it's entirely possible. I have an open mind. Yes, if there was a city like New York in the middle of the Sahara, we would never know if it was 100,000 years ago. All that metal would be rusted and gone away, blown away, destroyed. We'd never know it. And the Sahara, the, Sahara, the Sahara is huge, so we'd never find it. And no one lives there, so no one would happen upon it. It is entirely possible. I didn't say it's likely. I said it's possible, right? So anyway, this will be interesting for those people too, because that's where Plato got those ideas from the Comitians, from the Egyptians, Right? The digression of the regimes from Book 8 of the Republic. The gold class, those people, the aristocracy, aristos, excellence. Excellence is agathos, is the good. They understood it. They knew that the good is the good. And, and no one's going to hate it because it's the good. If some people hate it, you've got it wrong. Either you've got the good wrong or you're not doing the good goodly. There's the problem. You can. There's two things you need to do. You need to seek the good, the true good, the goodest good, the optimal, the idyllic. That, those are the English words that capture the, the essence the best. Optimal and idyllic. Everyone, everyone already knows this too. Have your friends uh, ever apologized to you and say, I know it's not ideal, but can you just sleep on the rubber mattress? That's all I got. Did you demand they did the ideal thing but beforehand? No. They already knew that the ideal thing is the ideal thing. And they already knew that the ideal thing would be the ideal thing to seek and what they should be seeking because it's the ideal thing. There's nothing better than it. And that is why they apologized. They said, I'm sorry, I know it's not ideal, but 
this is the good as good I can do right now. Now that's either true or false by based on the evidence. This is the goodest good I could do right now. You can sleep outside. Well, no, I could sleep on the couch, couldn't I? Like there's some evidence maybe that they're they're wrong. That's not the point. The point is there's two things. Seeking the good, truly loving, knowing, feeling, and seeking the good, and it's abstract, perfect optimality or idyllicness, and doing so in a good way, seeking the good goodly, perfecting perfectly, optimally optimizing. Right? If you didn't go, then you don't understand what I'm talking about. So let me say it again. That's the good. The good is good is the good is good of the good is goods, right? It just, whoop, there's no, there's no perverting it. There's no polluting it. There's no need to change it. I don't need to give it a personality. I don't need to write a testament to it. I don't need to scare you to follow it. I don't need to write rules about it. It's embedded in it. The good is the good. Seek the good. Do the good. What's the good? I don't know. It's a formula. It's a formula. It doesn't give you the answer. It gives you the formula. Here's the formula. Do the good is good. Here's a scenario. What's the good is good? What hurts nobody? The Wiccans were close. The pagans were close. The Wiccan read is, if I recall, and it harm none, do as thine wilt. What they forgot, and what the other pagans, the Greeks, would have might have added, is and seek the highest good, right? It's not just enough that no one's hurt, so do whatever you want. That's not it, because sometimes your wants are not very good, are they? No one's hurt by me eating more popcorn. Actually, somebody is, you are, you're going to get sicker, right? That's not healthy food. But, you know, no one's hurt by this, you know, whatever it is. I can't even think of an example. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I can't think of examples. It's the formula that's important. No one's hurt by this, so I'll do it. Who cares? That's not it. No one's hurt by this is the first step in practicing the good. The second step is, and how do I do what's idyllic, what's maximal? And it might sound, it might sound a lot of things. Uh, you might be rebelling against this in many ways. One, because you think I'm asking you to do things you're not going to want to do. I'm not. Then it's not the good. Uh, everything that I'm asking you to do, you're going to want to do. Without me telling you. Because then it's, then it's the good. If it's not the good, then it's not the good. If, if our, my intrinsicity and your intrinsicity are so disparate that we can't agree on anything, well, then fine, then we don't interact anymore. That's how that works. But it's like, what do you want to do tonight? Movie? No, I hate movies. Uh, uh, dinner? No, I hate dinner. Uh, uh, tennis? I hate tennis. You know, uh, the good is, the good's getting worse. We have, <laughs> sorry, that's the wrong finger. We have one possible chance of, of maybe coming together on something. Poetry slam. Yes. Boom. Our intrinsicity matches. No one's hurt. We're both, we're going to both be super pleased by that. It's just around the corner. Idyllic. Boom. The good was served. And if we didn't fight during that, we, we sought the, the idyllic ideally. We were idyllic in our seeking of the idyllic, right? That's the good. That's what Plato discovered. <laughs> That's what Neoplatonists screwed up. That's what they did not understand. And it, it, it's very sad. It's very sad that we could have had 2,500 years of, of perfect building civilization to, an, to a paradise now. Instead, we had what we got. So I'm changing that now. We're changing that now. This, this right now is us changing this, right? It's the good. 
there's nothing gooder. There's nothing more important. It is, it is importance. Capital I. Nothing can be. It doesn't make sense. So don't, don't reject it just because it sounds alien or don't reject it because it sounds idealism, like you'll never get it. Well, if you don't try, yeah, we'll never get it. Everybody tries, though. Every single person tries. Don't tell me you do not try. Everyone says, I know it's not ideal, but everyone knows what that means in their heart. Everyone already has the good in their heart. Everyone already knows this. It is a concept that our brains are wired to perceive innately, and we all do. And we know, and that's why a lot of us feel sick and bad. And that's why a lot of us are meditating, because we know we're not actually seeking the good. We know we're missing something. Something is not right in our life. What is it? What is it? We look around. I need to divorce this person, do this, and I need to change my jobs. I need to, well, maybe, maybe not. But no, you're missing the good. You're missing enlightenment. You're not been enlightened to the good. You do not have the proper valuation concept. No philosopher has ever dragged you kicking and screaming out of the cave to use Plato's metaphor in book seven of the Republic. The Republic is probably the most important book ever written, as you can notice by me constantly going back to it. Read the Alan Bloom translation. Read it five times. It's th that's how many times it'll take for it to sink in. For a philosopher who's seen the good to drag you out kicking and screaming past the image of the good that politics takes, you know, money is our image of the good in capitalism. And it's goodish, right? It's kind of good. Fire is kind of the sun. It's goodish. They drag you past the fire, though, out into the light. Poof. Look. I don't want you. I don't want you. Look. Hurts your eyes at first. Blows your mind to hear these concepts. If, you fully, if you're fully accepting my, my, the concepts my words represent into your heart, this is blowing some of your minds. I apologize if you're not, because it, then I'm just deficient, and I'm not, I'm not explaining it properly. And that, again, is truly sad as well. When the goods hand, handmaidens, when the, good defend, when the goods defenders, when the goods handmaidens, when the goods uh, orators and uh, 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 teachers are deficient, then everything in life sucks, and it becomes more deficient by, by analogies. So I'm trying to rectify that. This is the incarnation in which I rectify this. Or I try. So that's the good. And that's why it's so important to have it. And all practices seek it. Because all practices are teleological in nature. You can always ask, why are you doing this? <laughs> what? Why are you doing it? Uh, and so you have to give a value-based answer. Even if you give a rule-based answer, because it is dictated by this great spaghetti monster, Fine. Why is it dictated? Why should we follow dictates? Why is it good to follow dictates? Is the great spaghetti monster good? Why do we need the great spaghetti monster to begin with when we have the good? Fine. Keep your great spaghetti monsters. Keep your idols if you, if you can't ditch that security blanket. But know that they are not good if they do not participate in the good. And know that your security blanket is getting in the way of you seeing the good too. So... This is the most important thing that you need in your life. It's the concept of importance. Being prudent and being moral and any action really involves, are, they're all teleological because you can all ask the question, why? Why are you doing this verb? Why are you running? Why are you jumping? Why are you cheating? Why are you lying? Why are you stealing? If the answer is the good, they, they're all just words. Verbs are just a cover in the formula. They're just a variable in the formula. 
do X get Y for Z, right? I, I, I'm just making that up the top of my head. I don't actually have a formula, but it's formulaic in the way you process it. In the way I just said, that you try to seek the idyllic, idyllic, uh, ideally, based on, the, based on the evidence. You seek the idyllic, ideally, based on the evidence. Perfect yourself as perfectly as possible. The configuration is perfect. Our attempt to live up to it is the perfecting. You're not perfect. You don't need to be either, by the way. But if you're seeking the good, goodly, you are perfecting perfectly. There is no flaw in the good. I just haven't had time to fully explain it to you and fully explain how people have screwed it up in the last 2,500 years. Because they didn't have the full version of it. They had an image of it, another one of those fires. And there was mistakes in the fire, of course. That's how you could think it could be prudence and morality could be separated in any way, shape, or form. Because they started to make static rules in morality and they started to not seek the good goodly in prudence. And so they diverged from the good, which kept them whole, kept you centered, kept you on the straight and narrow. If in doing those actions, if in doing the lying, cheating, and stealing, we still, however, truly remain in accordance with utter and absolute maximal value for everyone involved, absolutely no hurt or harm is evidently risked by our plan in any way for anyone and the maximal pos possible good that can be evidently attained in the here and now is, then this was doing the good, whatever adjective you chose to describe the action notwithstanding. I repeat, if in seeking the idyllic, idyllic, uh, ideally, in seeking the idyllic idyllically, I'm not sure the proper way to say that, but in seeking the optimal optimally, you obtain optimality, no one absolutely was hurt, and the maximal, and no one risked any hurt at all in any way. That's what it takes. No one risking any hurt, anything that goes beyond uh, a, a, a surface level, any, any memorable hurt, there's no risk of any memorable hurt being caused in any way, and it was maximally good, uh, in fact, ideal, likable, positive for everybody involved then I don't care what verb you verbed. It doesn't matter. The good was attained. The verbs are all interchangeable at that point. Conceptually speaking, of course, not in practice. There's times where you need to run, and running and jumping are not the same thing. There's different maneuvers you need to perform to obtain the good. But the fact that you are seeking the good goodly is the important part. Because nothing is more important than importance. So this was doing the good. All of the adjectives, good, moral, prudent, idyllic, smart, shrewd, righteous, honorable, etc., may be applied if you sought the good goodly. They all apply if you sought the good goodly. Now, you might have some trouble imagining a scenario where lying, cheating, or stealing to feed your family, or some other emergency scenario, where the people's good is seriously threatened how that could evidently risk harm to no one else. You might have a, trouble imagining how no one else would be harmed in that. And so I agree. So don't lie, cheat, and steal. That's why we don't lie, cheat, and steal, because it's almost impossible to not risk harm or hurt coming to somebody else, right? If they find out about the lie, if they catch you stealing, or they're, 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 they're uh, damaged by the stealing because you took something away from them, 
uh, or they're slighted by the cheating. Cheating and lying in that case are just the same. You should hack every system that's not towards the good. You should cheat every system that is not towards the good. That's besides the point. Rules are irrelevant to the goodness that they purportedly give you or not. But I can imagine plenty of scenarios where even lying, cheating, or stealing would still be towards the good. Like, for example, a person needs to feed their family in a pandemic scenario. And in a deserted street, they find a dropped bag of bread where no one else is around. And the bread will just go to waste in that clear plastic bag if they don't take it. And there's no one else around. And they need to feed their family. Nobody is harmed. The good is served. The, the person who dropped it accidentally dropped it anyway. No one is around. The good is served. They take it. That's technically stealing. It wasn't their property, but the good is still served. That was the maximal good thing to do in that scenario. It would have been worse to leave the bread there and let your, peop let your family starve. That would have been far worse. That would have been stupid. That would have been useless. That would have been of low value. That would have been suboptimal. That would have been non-idyllic, right? Now you see the true rules that we have to live by. And now you're noticing how far away all of our ad hoc systems to try to approximate that are exactly that. Ad hoc systems that dumber people who didn't understand the good made to try to approximate the good without understanding it. Kind of like the chimpanzees in 2001 looking at the obelisk and hitting it with, with, a, with a femur. Kind of like that. So let's not do that. Let's not be the chimpanzees in 2001. They were kind of scary anyway. Let's be humans who understand the good and seek the good goodly and make everything better, make things optimal. And let's not squabble and, and be sad. Oh, I, I was younger and didn't understand. Of course you were. Everyone was younger and didn't understand. So now I'm telling you. So now you can understand. So our lack of imagination is not the point. The good is the point. The point is the point. Our lack of imagination is unimportant. What's maximally important is what is important. The best you can do is the best you can do. The best you can understand is the best to understand. To align your actions to anything else other than the maximal utter good you can do in the here and now is failing. You fail to be maximally utterly good if you do not seek the maximal utter good. This is the good. This is the ethic of the good. This is the ethic of enlightenment. This is the ethic and concept by which we live our lives, if we're living truly goodly. This is the true ethic of ethics. This is the ethic that blesses us. The good is the ethic that redeems us. The good is the ethic that justifies us. And the good is the ethic that saves us. You cannot be truly saved. You cannot be truly redeemed. You cannot be truly justified in anything unless you know, seek, and love the good for the good's sake. Now you know it. Seek it. Seek the good goodly and you will be perfect. Seek the good goodly and you will be blameless. Seek the good goodly and you will be righteous. Seek the good goodly and you'll be all good. If you seek the good goodly, the maximal utter good in the maximal best utter good way you can, based on the evidence, your enlightenment will be complete. Meditation over. You'll still need to meditate to calm your emotions, of course. But the goal of meditation over. If you seek the good goodly, 
you, your enlightenment will be, be complete. That's what a lot of us are here for, right? That's why a lot of us meditate, is to seek enlightenment. Well, that's what it is. It cannot be anything else. To bring in the Chinese system now, you will be the Junzi. If not the Shen Gren, if you understand the good and you seek the good goodly for the good's sake. That is the blending of the Aristotle and the, the Confucius, uh, probably. That's the blending of the West and the Eastern systems together. Junzi means the virtuous person. Shengren means uh, the sage, or that's how it has been translated before into English. That's the person who is enlightened, and they are literally enlightened because their emotional system, their spiritual system, and their will and what they will to do, and their reason, which is also the Platonic tripartite soul, the East and the West come together. They must have talked through merchants back in the day as well, because it's too similar. But anyway, or these brilliant humans in different societies discovered the same human truth. That if your emotions are brought together through meditation, your spirit is brought, is honed to this through meditation, your thymos, to use the Greek word, your will, and your reason, your logos, is put together with the passions, the desires, your emotions, harmonized, as Plato would say, towards the good, to seek the good goodly, then you are enlightened, you're perfect, you're blameless. As long as you're seeking the good goodly, you can say, yeah, maybe I missed that clue. Sorry, I missed that evidence. I didn't notice, but I was still seeking the good as good as I could. I did what the evidence told me to do in that scenario. Sorry if I missed it. I'll try harder next time. That's it. That's enlightenment. So I hope you like this Western meditation, this Western contemplation. As per usual, you can watch the previous lessons. Uh, and if you have any questions, you can always contact me at joshbashinsky at gmail.com to ask questions about this. I'm sure some people will. Uh, follow, Please follow, uh, like, and subscribe. Somewhere down here, I can't remember where. Please like and subscribe uh, Bach Meditation. Uh, if you would like and subscribe the meditation show, I would appreciate it. You can also go to app.meditationassistant.com. And you can find all of this meditation in a self-guided tour of meditation that I think you'll quite enjoy. It's free to use and quite revolutionary. I also use some self-hypnosis hacks to even make it more poignant, and I think you'll really like it. It's free. What have you got to lose? It's free right now. If you're trying to seek meditation, it's the best way to do it. So I hope you enjoyed this, and we'll see you next time.